Welcome to Digital Marketing Intelligence for Shopify, Ask the Experts, our bi-weekly live show and podcast that features expert interviews and case studies to show you what to do and what's new in Shopify and e-commerce digital marketing for 2022 and beyond. Ask questions, suggest topics, and grow faster with actionable insights and proven strategies from the world's leading Shopify and e-commerce marketing experts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Digital Marketing Intelligence for Shopify Ask the Experts. I'm Marissa Morgan, your show host, and I'm also the Business Development Manager here at Engage. On behalf of myself and the entire team at Engage, I'm excited to welcome you to today's bi-weekly show. Today, our guest is a prolific digital marketing author. He is a keynote speaker. He is also a founder and CEO of the research firm Spark Toro. He's going to be joining us to talk about how audience research can dramatically increase your customer acquisition opportunities outside of Facebook, Google, and Amazon ads. I think we can add Instagram ads in there too, all of those social media ads. I'm excited to welcome him to today's show because he really is a very uh, sought after speaker. And I know that he has a lot of insights and experience to share with us today. Uh, a reminder, today's show is live. We are live right now on LinkedIn Live, Facebook, and also YouTube. So if you're watching us, welcome to today's show. If you have any questions for our guest, feel free to drop those questions or comments in the comment section. And of course, we'll, I will make sure to moderate those questions and comments, and we'll make sure to answer and include every comment and question that you leave during our live show. A reminder after today's special guest and I, you know, entertain our topic, I will also share with you our Engage Digital Marketing News of the Week. Every single show, we share with you a tip, a trend, a piece of news in digital marketing, and we'll cover that after today's talk so you don't want to miss that. Before we get started, of course, a quick chat about our sponsor, Engage. Engage is so excited because in just about one week, we are going to be launching our newest app. It's called SMS Messaging for Shopify Stores. We all know, or you know what I always say we all know, we at Engage know, maybe you don't know, but SMS has a 98% open rate compared to emails that only have about a 20% open rate. So that is why SMS messaging is a must-have for any e-commerce, small, mid-sized, even large business in today's competitive world. Our app is super easy and it allows store owners to not only build their customer lists faster, but increase sales and it gives small, mid-sized e-commerce businesses and Shopify stores the opportunity to very easily promote new products, send out discount codes, and even get feedback from their customers, all with literally just a quick click of a button on your SMS. If you are on my team, you would agree that obviously in today's competitive marketplace, the SMS messaging tool is a must-have for your business. So to kick it off next week on March 15th, when we launch SMS messaging for Shopify stores, we're giving everyone a free 30-day trial of our app. And that includes 500 free SMS messages that you have access to, to start sending out to your customers and to your prospect customers to check it out and make sure it's the right fit for your business. So get excited, get pumped. March 15th is the rollout of the Engage SMS messaging for Shopify app. Super excited about that. Now we're going to talk about audience research. We're going to talk about, you know, building your customer lists, knowing where your customers are today with our special guests. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Rand Fishkin. Rand is joining us from Seattle, Washington over on the West Coast. And if you don't know who Rand is, today you're going to meet him. Rand is the co-founder and CEO of audience research software startup Spark Toro. He's a dedicated person, not only in his professional life, by helping people do better marketing through writing. Through writing, he's got several books, videos, speaking, and his recent book, Lost and Founder. When he's not working, I do love to share fun facts about our guests. He's usually cooking a fancy meal for the love of his life, who is also an author. Her name, her name is Geraldine DeRuder. 
I'm excited to hear your most recent fancy meal. Uh, if you bribe him with some great pasta or fancy cocktails, Rand says he will happily pull back the curtain on Big Tech's dark secrets. And we'll share his website, sparktoro.com, after today's show and how you can connect with him to learn more. But today, he's pulling back the curtain for us here at Engage, and we're super excited to have him. Rand, thank you for joining us and being today's guest expert. Yeah, my pleasure, Marissa. Thanks for having me. I love a fan of fancy cocktails and good eats, because I am as well. So do share with us as we get started. What was your most recent... Um, meal exploration or a meal that you're very proud to have prepared? Uh, yeah, I tried making some uh, pod prick king, which is like a Thai curry with green beans. Went surprisingly well. That was Monday night. Yeah. Nice. That there's, We have a similarity there. Just last week, I, for the very first time, tried to do a coconut red curry. Mm. Um, it had red curry paste, which I'd never used in my cooking before. And of course, the option to add sriracha. I love a spicy dish. So uh, my first time using rice noodles. It was really, really good with broccoli. Yeah. Love it. Mm -hmm. Love it. Well, listen, I didn't have to bribe you with a fancy meal. Um, and so we're really excited you're here. And as we get into today's topic and our discussion, um, before we do that, would you mind sharing with our audience how you not only got into founding your own company, Spark Toro, but share with us a little more about what that company does and the path that led you to uh, to founding your company? Sure. Yeah, no problem. Uh so I think a lot of folks, especially in the e-commerce and marketing worlds, know me from my previous startup, which is Moz. Uh, I started that company actually with my mom, Jillian, back in 2003, back when SEO um, and, and digital commerce in general were you know, very spammy and scammy sectors and, and looked down upon. But uh, it originally started as an agency, became a software company, raised a bunch of venture capital, I stepped down as CEO there in 2014 and left in 2018 um, and started SparkToro literally the next day. So, you know, from founding one company to uh, to founding another. And I, you know, Marissa, I would love to tell you that that is because, um, you know, I was just so excited to start another company. But in fact, uh, the real answer is. I needed a job. <laughs> I didn't want to work for somebody else and uh, needed to get health insurance going real fast. Um, and so the nice thing is SparkToro has been uh, just a wonderful change of pace from my previous business. So, you know, I think lots of folks who are familiar with the venture capital world have challenges with it. And I do as well. That's a lot of what Lost and Founder is about, of course. Um, but SparkToro itself, as you mentioned in the intro kindly, uh, is useful for audience research. So essentially understanding the people uh, who might be part of your audience or your competitor's audience or your market, and then understanding things like what podcasts do they listen to? Which YouTube channels do they subscribe to? What publications do they read? Uh, what events do they go to? What do they talk about online? What are their demographics? All of this is very helpful for marketers who do everything from branding and positioning and strategy and channels to very tactical things like where do I place my ads or to mm -hmm. whom should I pitch my PR stories? And that's what SparkToro helps with. Which falls right in line with what Engage is all about because we always say, you know, customer experience is a big part, right, of growing your customer list and creating loyal fans. But it's so important to be where your customers are. And of course, with your company and what you offer your clients, this piece of audience research, what you're doing is you're really, and as you, if you guys will share his website after the show, but when you visit his website, um, Rand gives a really great video that explains just how easy it can be with the right tools, right, to get this information and not have to pay an arm and a leg for it, um, which is one of your secrets, but it's all about being where your customers are. And it's also all about being consistent, right? Um, if you think your customers are on Facebook and you find out they are indeed on Facebook, well, you don't want to just hop on Facebook and post once and call it a day, right? You know, place one ad. It's all it's all about being consistent as well. But if you're thinking your customers are on Facebook and you're posting consistently and then, then you finally do the research and find out they're not, it's like, what a energy and resources, time. So I'm fascinated to hear kind of the ins and outs and the secret world of audience research. 
And we've prepared a really nice outline for today's talk. So Rand, I'm going to pop that up for our audience. For those of you listening on our podcast replay, I'll go ahead and read through this for you. And let's just follow along. We're talking about how audience research can dramatically increase customer acquisition opportunities outside of those Facebook, Google, and Amazon ads. So a few of the things that Rand's going to touch on today is why advertising through the big three ad players is often a low ROI endeavor. This is interesting because I know a lot of people rely on the big three. We'll also talk about how to find sources of influence that reach your audience. We'll talk about how to pitch both organic and paid opportunities for amplification, ads, PR, guest contributions, podcasts, and YouTube appearances. And then we'll talk about why influence, not influencer marketing, um, has the highest ROI form of mark is the highest ROI form of marketing you can do. And it's funny, when we were talking about your talking points and you were very specific, not influencer, but influence, we left that on the slide because I think it's like a really big driving point you want to make. So we're like, let's just amplify that. So <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. Let's start our talk um, about this big three, the Facebook, the Amazon, and the Google ads, and why maybe this isn't always the best option for advertising. Share with us your insights and thoughts uh, on that kind of perspective. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the basic story here is that um, there's a, a number of forces that are driving essentially this, this triopoly. It's, it's more of a duopoly, right? Mostly Google and Facebook in the broader digital advertising universe, but in e-commerce, Amazon's a big player as well. And the challenge here, Marissa, is essentially that if you want a competitive advantage in, in any form of whatever, marketing or strategy, any part of your business, uh, you're not gonna find that in a very, very crowded space where everyone else is participating or in a place where the incentives bias to the already biggest players. And that's exactly how digital advertising works, right? So digital in, in the digital ad space, the folks who pay the lowest cost per click are the most recognizable, biggest brands who have the largest paid relationship with Google, Facebook, Amazon. I say Facebook, and I meant I mean to include all of Facebook's properties. And when I say Google, I mean to include you know all of Google's properties, YouTube, etc. Mm -hmm. And essentially, what's happening is uh, on the incentive side, Google's incentive, Facebook's incentive, Amazon's incentive is to say, "Oh, Marissa, wow." You got a great business going there. It, that's that's really exciting. It looks like you know you're making about a dollar of margin per whatever per per sale. We'd right. like to charge you ninety nine cents for that, <laughs> right? <laughs> Their incentive is essentially capture because they've they've already captured the advertising universe, right? And they are consolidating. Mm -hmm. I want to say somewhat nefariously consolidating their influence and control over the advertising universe through all sorts of monopolistic practices. Uh, many of which you can see Congress investigating now. But because of that dominance, they have pricing power, right? Mm -hmm. They own the market. They can Facebook can basically say, hey, guess what, small e-commerce store? You're going to pay us this much if you want to reach your customers. And you're going to pay us this much more if you start reaching more customers or if your conversion rates go up or those kinds of things. And that has been the history of digital advertising, essentially with the one bump, uh, one, sorry, downslope in price in 2020, right when COVID kicked off, folks might remember, mm -hmm. or anyone who was bidding might remember yeah. that, uh, advertising prices have been on a universal rise for 20 years online. And my takeaway then from what you just said is that it's really the large businesses that benefit and really skew everything else and almost create these sort of like glass ceilings for these small e-commerce businesses. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, yeah, they can reach their target demographic, but they're paying such a premium and they're only reaching like a tiny little portion. That's right. And that, I don't want to say, yeah. I'm not trying to say that, oh, no one can ever have success in e-commerce right. right. with online advertising. You absolutely can, especially if your product is super unique, your, mm -hmm. your ads are really, really high quality of great conversion rate and landing pages. All of, all of those things can help you extract a little more value, but you're playing against the dealer at the casino. Mm -hmm. Right, the house mm -hmm. is going to win, right? And and I think that the the way to truly overcome this is essentially to build a brand that, in the minds of your audience, the consumers who might buy from you, is preferable to every other brand. 
so that people don't go to Google and search for uh, running shoes. They go search for memory Adidas. foam running shoe. Wait, wait, oh wait, shoes. They, they a brand name or like a brand name? I, I don't. I don't want generic keywords. I don't want generic uh, thoughts around this. Right. I, I'm. I'm right. not looking for. I don't want my customers to say, for example, um, "Hey, I'm looking for a rice cooker." You want them I, to ask for the Jiffy Pop rice cooker or something like you want them to have a specific brand in their mind based on all your the brand. Food. Yeah, I want them to have your brand in mind. I think that is the way that you go from being, you know, one of 500 vacation rentals websites in 2006 to Airbnb or VRBO. Exactly. Exactly. That makes a lot of sense. Well, gosh, how do we get there, Rand? We need your help. So, okay. And by the way, we'll I love hosting. I know I love hosting this show, Rand, because you know, obviously, we have a live audience. I want to say hello to Lexi, who's watching and gave us a big thumbs up on Facebook. Welcome, Lexi. Uh, let us know where you're watching from, Lexi. Uh, I am, by the way, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Rand is joining us from Seattle. If you're just joining us, welcome to today's episode of Digital Marketing Intelligence for Shopify. Rand Fishkin is our expert. Um, okay. So I love this because I'm like the student, you're the professor. So on to our next, you know, topic here, finding sources of influence, again, not influencers, but sources of influence, um, to reach our audience. By the way, Lexi commented, she's watching from Michigan. Welcome Lexi. By the way, Lexi is a perfect example. She's got an e-commerce business and we actually connected her with one of our guests who is going to help her with her e-commerce business. So I'm telling you, this series has really helped so many small to mid-sized businesses really connect with experts who can help them um, solve their pain points. So welcome again. Welcome back, Lexi. Okay, Rand. So how do we find sources of influence to reach our audience? We know where our audience is, or, or we hope to, especially with help from maybe your agency, but how do we then find the sources of influence? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, so just... Just for clarity, yeah, uh, I don't run an agency, so so SparkToro doesn't do any consulting or anything like that. But uh, certainly, I think that many many folks have, you know, who run e-commerce stores either do their own research to try and figure out, you know, where are my customers. Hopefully, you're doing things like interviewing your customers and surveying them. Mm -hmm. I, I truly believe in the power of those two things. SparkToro is is designed to add a bunch of additional data on top of that, but it is not meant as a full replacement for surveys and interviews. I don't think there's any question that every business owner, every marketer should be talking to some of their customers regularly and hopefully getting some survey data as well about them. That I apologize, by the way. My apologies. No, you do it's a software company that yeah. provides the the uh, capability to do and, that. And a ton of agencies use SparkToro. That's I, I would say like 60, 70 percent of our customers are agencies or, or in-house marketers. So totally fair. Um, but to, uh, in terms of finding sources of influence, right? One of the best ways, in fact, in my opinion, the absolute best way to build up brand recognition, trust, um, and, and memory with your target audience is to be present and endorsed and advocated for by the people and publications and, and YouTube channels and podcast hosts and webinars and events and you name it, whatever the sources of influence might be. Maybe they're even influencers, you know, the classic dude with a six pack abs on the beach. Um, if those people are paid attention to by your audience and your audience trusts them for where to source your types of products, mm -hmm. those are the best endorsements you can get. Those are the best sources of influence and marketing that you can have. And by being in those places consistently on a regular basis, you can build a phenomenal brand in virtually any sector. Weirdly, this whole practice of sort of influence, you know, finding my sources of influence and being present in those places, that kind of marketing is not invested in because it's not easy to do. And I don't think it has a, you know, sexy common name. We, we have a name for email marketing. We got a name for SEO. We got a name for content marketing. We don't really have a name for this influence marketing stuff. And so many, many folks ignore it. But Marissa, remember what we talked about earlier? If lots of people are present in a space and it's crowded, it's going to be very hard to compete, very hard to get ROI. Mm -hmm. Conversely, if nobody's in a space, if nobody's doing a thing, 
the ROI is is so much easier. And I've talked to many, many folks who uh, who host and own e-commerce shops, who have brands, and you know they're like, oh my god, we got into a few publications, whatever, a, a magazine that our audience reads, or uh, we were on this mentioned a couple of times on this YouTube channel, or uh, we were talked about in this uh, email newsletter publication that goes out to folks, and it just transforms their growth curve because. It tells people that they're the place to go. And then once their products satisfy those people who are paying attention to the field, um, you know, the, the results are really remarkable. So let me ask you this. So when we talk about, you know, in finding sources of influence versus maybe influencer marketing, the source, I think what I'm hearing is the main difference is maybe we think of an influencer as like a single person, like you said, that guy on the beach with the six pack. But what we need to realize is these sources of influence really is a big, broader umbrella. Things like podcasts, things like magazines, things like advocates, you know, or charities, or really we need to like think outside of that person who's, you know, got 200,000 followers or 2 million followers on Instagram, who's right. charging an arm and a leg now, right? Just to be like, I like this product. And you see them do that with 900 things. It's like, you don't even know if you can trust them anymore because it's become kind of a little dirty, swampy kind of water situation. I think personally with some of that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that what is definitely true is again, I'm not saying no forms of influencer marketing, you know, mm -hmm. classic six pack yeah. ab person on Instagram or, or TikTok or YouTube has any influence over your audience. What right. I am saying is not uh, limiting yourself to classic influencers mm -hmm. is a very wise way to think about sources of influence. And I worry a lot that marketers and, and founders uh, of all kinds get narrowly focused. You know, my previous job in, at Moz, we treated SEO as the hammer. And so every problem looked like a nail. It was, it was mm -hmm. always, how do I rank for these keywords in Google? That was the only thing we thought about from a marketing perspective. And it was very limiting. Uh, mm -hmm. I think foolishly very limiting. My advice to anyone who's thinking about e-commerce marketing, especially e-commerce, is go discover how your audience interacts with the problem your product solves. Right? How do they, they go? Say learn that one more time. Say that one more time. Go learn how your audience interacts with the problem that your product solves. Okay. Right. So it's not necessarily. I think sometimes we get overly focused on best rice cooker, mm -hmm. right? And and thinking about how do people find the best rice cooker? But maybe we should be asking, hey, how do people get started with Asian and Persian and Middle East cooking, right? Which contains a lot of rice. And, and that's the kind of thing that leads to, okay, where do people go on the web mm. and, you know, in their life to start thinking about the problem of, I want to learn about cooking and I want to learn about, oh, well, Rice is relatively inexpensive and it's pretty easy to cook. And, and then they start to go down the rabbit hole. And who are you targeting? Are you mass market? Are you very niche? Are you helping people cook, um, you know, Japanese style Donabe rice? Well, that's very, very different than uh, Italian style risotto. So, you, right, you got to find your people who are paying attention to all these sources of influence and how they interact with the problem. And that's going to lead you to marketing opportunities that you probably never considered. And, and this is where a tool like SparkToro, um, or uh, we do have a couple of competitors. There's one called Audience and one called um, Helixa.ai. We don't you have to talk go. about those. I'm just oh, saying. no. It's all, I mean, <laughs> Marissa, I, I, I know this is our first time meeting, but I hate to like self-promote too much. I really like just talking about problems and helping people solve them. So it's wonderful. Whether you solve this with SparkToro or something else, I just think it's so valuable to go find, hey, here's Twitter accounts that are very popular with, you know, the recipe interested crowd. And here's email mm -hmm. newsletters they subscribe to. And here's websites that they visit. And, oh, this event is really big with a bunch of the chefs and journalists and editors of food publications in recipe world. M maybe we should be there. Yeah. So this is, this is what I'm suggesting is so critical is just that we think broader than influencer. And I like this idea that you're taking a step back 
before you have the problem and figuring out how did that problem even start? That makes so much sense. And I think you're the first person who's ever taken us just one step back, but it makes so much sense if you think about it, especially because as you mentioned, when someone is, uh, let's just use the word promoting or marketing in a space, like you said, that's not as crowded, you're more likely to have a better ROI because you're not just surrounded by. So if you've taken that one step back and said, oh my gosh, the rice cookers would totally subscribe to this magazine, even though this magazine isn't about rice, boom. Like that just makes so much sense. See? I, I have bought, I think, four relatively expensive cooking implements now, including a, a Japanese donabe, uh, from this magazine that I've subscri subscribed to called Taste Magazine. It's not a, it's an online magazine. Ah, I know magazine. it. No, I know yeah. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They don't even rank anywhere in Google. Like their SEO is really bad <laughs> and I feel kind of bad for them, but they have a wonderful email newsletter and they've recommended a bunch of products. And every time I buy something that they've recommended that their editorial staff has recommended, I don't even think they have affiliate links. I, I love it. Like wow. it's just, it transforms my cooking, right? And wow. so, yeah. You know, uh, it's interesting you brought up affiliate links because... I'm now a little bit conditioned to be even more skeptical when I know that it's an affiliate link. I'm like, okay, it is part of a blog. I'm reading what you say, but I know that you're going to get paid if I buy it from this link. So I always do a little extra research, go above and beyond um, to make sure whatever blog I'm reading seems like it's from a credible source. Yes. So I think that's interesting. And I think this is, yeah. you know, this is one of those things where it's, it's very hard to earn trust and very easy to lose it. Right. So you know, in in the case of a lot of publications or or influencers or YouTube channels or whatever, you know, there's a lot of times when folks say um, one or two, you know, whatever, clearly manipulative episodes or endorsements or, mm -hmm. you know, oh, you promoted this sketchy NFT to me and, and I lost all this money. And like, you know, folks, folks get burned pretty quickly and, and yeah. that can lose a lot of credibility. I think it, you know, this is why it pays to sort of do your research on the sources of influence that you go target and also not to put all your eggs in one basket, right? So I, I, um, I really recommend to folks that when they go and make an investment like this, that they basically say, hey, I'm really good at, um, maybe you're great at being a podcast guest, right? Mm -hmm. you, I don't know, you have a lovely voice and you just say really interesting things and people ask you questions. You know, you're not like me where you stumble over your words. You, you get I was going to say, this sounds like an endorsement of yourself, Rand, yeah. after you said no. you don't do endorsements. No, I'm you sound, no, mediocre. you're a good example though. And like, here you are on a podcast, <laughs> right, right? Sure. No, seriously. Yeah, and I enjoy, I enjoy doing podcasts, which is another thing that I recommend to a lot of folks, especially small business owners. I think that they have, that there's this myth in the marketing world that I really dislike, Marissa, that you have to be everywhere, that you have to be on Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and, oh, you should have a WhatsApp so that you can reply to your customers there and you better be quick on your Google chat. And I, I, I don't believe in any of that. I really don't. I think you should find the two or three things that you love doing, because if you like doing them, if you like participating in those ecosystems, you're going to be way better at it than your competition who doesn't. And then you should pick just those few, especially when you're small, mid-sized, you don't need to be everywhere. You don't have to compete in all these places. You'll do better if you compete in just a few. And then when you need to expand your marketing, you can hire someone. You can hire an agency, a consultant, an in-house marketing person who's great at those channels. And so I would urge you to focus. If you love Reddit, go find the subreddits that are all around your topic and the problem space and go be present in those places. If you're great at Instagram, fantastic. Keep marketing on Instagram and building your audience there and putting up interesting posts and having good topics and sort of, you know, treating it like a mini blog with pictures. Great. Fantastic. Like, don't let me stop you. But don't feel this obsession that you have to be in all these places that you've got to be advertising everywhere. You don't. Multi-channel marketing is real. That doesn't mean that every business has to be in every channel. I love that. That is really wise advice and something that we have also heard from previous guests on our show, be where your customer is, but not to, almost like not to the demise of your ability to do it well, right? Yeah. Pick the place where they are, pick the place where you're comfortable and um, and focus on what you do best. That all makes complete sense. And Marissa, I'm, I'm a contrarian on this. I know this is going to be weird, but. I've never heard that word. A contrarian. Let's, 
<laughs> I'm sure you've never heard that word before. Uh, I think so, you made that's a rand word. That's a rand of Fiskin official. I'm 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 a deep contrarian. I have to stop myself from disagreeing with things. Um, this is this is my you know white guy on the internet thing. I have to like hold myself back. Don't comment. You don't need to reply. Let everybody else out, out there have their their say. But my my two cents on just this one topic is: Let's say you find that almost all your customers are on Facebook. Okay. Do you have to be on Facebook? Mm. No. I was going to say, maybe you don't. No. no, I don't think that you do. Do you need to run Facebook ads? No. If you hate Facebook, you really dislike sort of the person it turns you into and you don't feel like you're good at it and it's not a great marketing channel for you just kind of from a passion perspective, ignore it. And if you find that only 10% of your audience is on Reddit, guess what? If your audience is big enough, that might be all you need. That could be a great starting point. That could be a great competitive advantage to be in this space where very few people are because all your other competitors looked at it and went, ah, Reddit, there's only 10% there, but 100% on Facebook. Guess what, friend? You can right. have a competitive advantage in very small niches. If you think about it, if you're, if, especially if your customer is like a carb eater, come on, how big is that audience, right? If 10% of carb eaters... Or yeah. car drivers, you know, if you think yeah, about what your exactly. audience really, 30-year-old, yeah, I think even mom, I don't know, whatever it might be. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I, I really loved as I have seen um, fashion, beauty, makeup brands, yoga brands build their audience in unusual places, hmm. uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, email newsletters, um, conferences and events, YouTube channels, as opposed to... Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, where those brands are prolific. Mm -hmm. And by choosing those smaller niches and spaces, you can reach people who, if you're good at that space, that probably means you will resonate with the people who also like whatever it is, Twitter or Reddit or um, Quora or, you know, uh, your, your, your personal blog on your website. Yeah. Wow, that makes so much sense. That's interesting. It's interesting when you break it down as a contrarian, how you can see how it can be beneficial to do the opposite of kind of what we tell everybody or what everyone yeah. thinks. Yes. I especially think the common thread right now is you have to be everywhere. That's definitely what a lot of people are freaking out about. And it's really easy to get burnt out, right? It's really easy to get burnt out and you can't be everywhere every time and do it all very well. We just can't. Hey, uh, Lexi has a great question for you, um, and you may have just answered it, but I'll pop it up for you. Lexi wants to know, what places do you suggest for a small business to market? What would be the prime marketing platforms? Now, if I'm not mistaken, Lexi has a beauty brand. If I'm wrong, Lexi, let me know. But from a previous show and your questions, I think you have a beauty brand. And you, may, you really did just answer this quite a bit. Uh, but is there anything else you'd like to add to help Lexi out? Yeah, I have this... Um kind of framework mental model uh, that I that I recommend, especially to small and medium-sized business owners uh, when they ask, where should I go do marketing? And, and my suggestion is, I, I would recommend this for you as well, Lexi, these three things, the intersection of these three places. Number one, place where you have personal interest and passion, right? So, if, you know, I personally really like Twitter. That's a place that I participate a ton and I get a lot out of it and I build relationships there. So for, for me, Twitter is a passion place. I, I would urge you to choose one of those passion places for you. Second, a place where your audience actually participates. So, you know, in the case of Twitter, are there people in the beauty sort of um, fashion world? Yes, there are. It's not probably not as big as Instagram, for example, um, not as big as uh, TikTok, for example, but do they exist? Yes. And then the third one is place where you can add unique value. When I say unique value, what I mean is if you were to go and look at the other people, publications, influencers, blogs, websites, whatever, e-commerce e brands in, in your space on that channel, are you doing something that is fundamentally different, that provides a different kind of value to your audience than what they can get there? And if you hit all three of those notes, those are the ones I, I'd make my top five list of sources and channels and tactics, marketing tactics through those. And they can be, they can be really broad.
right? You might be someone who's fantastic in person at events. And so, you know, event marketing and, and sort of I don't know, showing up at uh, the urban craft fair in Seattle or <laughs> what have you could be fantastic for you. Or maybe it's, I'm great on podcasts and video interviews. So I'm going to go find podcasts and YouTube channels to pitch. Or, hey, I'm actually great at kind of uh, anonymized internet commenting. So yeah, Twitter and Reddit are my jam. Great, right? I, I would urge you to go find those places, publications, sources of influence that hit those three notes. Excellent advice. And Lexi does. She has a skincare brand. So I think this is interesting because... Again, it's taking us away from the mindset that we need to be everywhere. It's taking us away from the mindset, well, if everybody else is there, I should be there. And it's also allowing us, if I'm you know, digesting this right, it's really allowing us to kind of focus our, our funds, our resources, right? Our energy into the places where ultimately, especially if we're passionate there, of yeah. course, that's going to shine through. Of you know? course. Uh, Marissa, I, this is one of the... Well, what are the reasons that we don't all work for big corporations, right? Maybe we could make more money if we did, right? And whatever, have our nice 401ks and our nice healthcare plans. But we started our own businesses because we had personal interests there, right? We wanted to be entrepreneurial. We wanted to do things that gave us energy instead of the corporate job that sucked energy away from us. And your marketing should let you do the same thing. It should let you lean into passion. It shouldn't be something that you hate to do. It should be something that's an expression of that same, you know, beautiful self-worth that you found in yourself and, and want to express through your business. Like, there's a lot of crap that I hate about capitalism. But one of the things I love about capitalism is this freedom, right? The freedom to go invest in your business in the way that you want to do it, in the channels that you want to do it in, and to not have to kind of, you know, take orders from some higher up authority in terms of what to do. So, mm -hmm. you know, exercise that freedom and, and choose to go invest in places that bring you energy. Love that. Because with the energy will come the dollars. And I know yeah. this to be true. Right? Like you're, I've never, I've never seen it be, I've never talked to a small business owner who's like, oh God, let me tell you, Rand, I freaking hate Facebook, but I'm so good at it. Nope. And then doesn't it doesn't happen. work that way. Right. <laughs> right. Lexi, I hope that Rand was able to answer your question. I definitely think he shared some wonderful insights. And I know that you're excited about your growing skincare brand. So keep us in the loop with how things are going on your journey. We'd love to hear. Yeah, more I could from use some you. help myself, you know. So <laughs> I actually have an idea. Well, I'll share this off camera with Lexi uh, in the future, but I have an idea for, for Lexi as well. Uh, Lexi, I'll reach out to you personally on Facebook. Uh, let's dive into our last couple of things. And you did cover this, I feel a little bit, but how, how to pitch both organic and paid opportunities for amplification. I'm not sure what you mean by amplification. Um, you're talking about yeah. like the boosting or, or what do you mean by amplification? Right, right. So, so anytime you are getting your marketing message out there in any way, Right. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you you put up you put up a Google ad. The way you amplify that mostly is dollars. Right. You pay Google more right. or you increase your you improve your targeting. You make the ad better. You make the title better, whatever. Uh, almost all advertising is the same way. It's, it's sort of money and the optimization of the of the ad itself. But when it comes to organic styles of pitching. Right. So, for example, the, this podcast that we're doing today, Marissa. Right. One of the things that is absolutely true is that uh, I can and, and probably should amplify this by sharing it through my social channels. Maybe maybe I include a link to it from our email newsletter. Um, you know, maybe in the future, like a few months from now, I call. You know, I ask you for some clips from the show, and I include them in a blog post, uh, in a short video, and you know, all these kinds of things that can essentially take a marketing message and then amplify it uh, so that it reaches more people more effectively or, or more of them. And when you're talking about marketing through sources of influence, those sources of influence are meant to be amplifiers, right? They're meant mm -hmm. to take mm -hmm. your message, your content, and promote them to a bigger group and in a better way, right? So it, you know, if I go and whatever, reach out to Lexi, for example, Right. And say like, oh, Spark Toro is awesome and you should use it in this way. She's like, who's this spammer? Get, get, get out of my mentions. <laughs> right. But if someone she already knows and trusts, i.e. you, 
say, hey, Rand is an expert in this thing and you know his, his company is doing this cool stuff and you should check it out. It, it's much more authoritative. It's much more likely to be trusted. That, that's what we're looking for, right? And so when you think about sources of influence, your goal is to have them help amplify your message in these ways. Mm-hmm. And my advice um, to get back to your question is, uh, I would suggest starting with a relationship Generally speaking, uh, if you're pitching a source of influence, my recommendation is don't cold email, usually. Most of the time, you're going to have better luck if you, A, start a conversation first on a social media platform that that person uses, right? So if you and I start chatting on Twitter or LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever it is, and then you're like, oh, that Rand guy seems interesting. And then you get an email from me like, hey, Marissa, we were chatting the other day on Facebook. That That is a totally different opening line than... Hello, Marissa. I am Rand Fishkin, co-founder of... Right? You know, we I have used this uh, analogy many times, and I think it really gets the point across. Imagine in person at a networking event, you don't walk up to someone you don't know and say, hi, I'm Marissa. I want you to do my podcast, blah, 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 blah. Never in a million years would you do that. You would walk up to somebody and say, hey, I think I read your book. Aren't, aren't you Rand Fishkin? Right? Um, interesting. Yeah. I think it's so interesting what you do. And I've been actually following you from your journey from Maz to Spark Toro. Congratulations. You know, I'd be really interested, you know, you A, acknowledge the other person, of course, but B, it's like a dust bunny in my face. Uh, but B, you know, then you obviously try to find maybe a common ground. It, it, what you do online and in, 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 in connecting and getting these opportunities should really follow a similar protocol to what we would do in person. Right. That, that is so much phenomenally, sense. phenomenally excellent intuition and advice. And, and that speaks to the, the second tip that I have for almost everyone, which is get a warm intro. Right. Mm-hmm. If I at an event go, hey, Marissa, I want you to meet, uh, you know, my friend Lindsay and she runs this uh, great business. And I think she might make a great guest for your podcast. At, right. And then I, I tell her that, you know, oh, Lindsay, I was on Marissa's podcast. That kind of intro nobody nobody is dismissive and hits report spam on that right, right. <laughs> and, well you feel guilty doing really that beautiful. right yeah. you feel guilty you're like oh wow this person took time out of their day that i know yeah. to refer someone to me i can't possibly not so like this is hi yeah i mean one of my best suggestions here is look at people who follow you on twitter look at people who follow you on instagram look at people who you're connected to on linkedin see if they're connected to the the person or publication you want to reach out to and ask for that warm intro. Because a lot of times, if you ask directly to the source, you get ignored or you know report spam or just like, oh, sorry, busy right now. But if you ask someone, hey, could you introduce me to so-and-so? I'd be really interested mm-hmm. in connecting with them because they have this publication. That, that third party makes a huge difference. So those two are my top tips for kind of making your outreach work. Fantastic. Those two tips alone, I feel like can really help anybody in leaps and bounds getting ahead with not only referrals, but connections to, as you said, amplify opportunities. You know, I'm not going to lie, but one of those tips is is how we find guests for our own show. And yeah. it, it works really well because, um, I don't know, it just, the warm introduction part is, is just a great way for everybody to feel like they're being heard and that they're of value in the right way to the right people. It's a great um, incentive structure too, right? Mm -hmm. It it encourages good behavior, right? You know, if I introduce you to someone and you get back to me and you're like, who is that toxic SOB? Like, (gasps) Rand, what are you going? I will never introduce that person to another person, right? And if you get back to me and you're like, oh my God, Lindsay was such a wonderful guest. Thank you so much for recommending her. Oh man, right? Like that makes that, you look good, makes you look good, makes you feel good. And then you're reassured that you're making the right decisions with your business and your social professional circles. Yeah. And it's a phenomenal way to build a sort of a marketing engine over time because the more you do this, the more network connections you know now have, right? So Lindsay started mm-hmm. knowing me. Now she knows me and she knows you. If she was a great guest for you, you can introduce her to more people. Now she's got more people who can introduce her to more people. And this is this is kind of how networking works, not you know the the, the kind of hey I'm going to cold go up and shake hands and you know uh, meet people at a cocktail party, right? That 
Right. I think that's kind of lost in the 19, 1900s <laughs> style of networking. That's so funny to say the 1900s versus the 2000s. Yeah. It's a it's, new world we're living in. And, and people, you know, I always say this too, people connect with people, not brands. So, you know, making these personal warm introductions and, um, you know, I think just cold calling in general, we're so almost like offended by it. And to the point too, where our, our email platforms know we are, which is why spam, yes. you know, even got created. Um, hey, I do have a question from the audience. So I want to yeah, pop sure. this in because we're getting short on time. Alda wants to know what about if you do not know anyone or have any, you know, link related, is there a tip or something you've done in the past that yeah. may have helped you or could help um, Alda to connect. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that first tip that I gave where you interact with a person first on social, especially, I don't want to say around necessarily a different topic, but just you follow them on whatever channels they're active on. Mm -hmm. You sort of engage and participate with them. And then you send the, you know, the cold outreach that is essentially like, Hey, we've been chatting a little bit on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn, Reddit, Twitter, whatever. Uh, that is a that is a good way to go. The other one is uh, if you don't know anyone who knows the person, sometimes it can still work to go uh, interact and make connections with people who know them. So as an example, um, Marissa had, I don't know, Seth Godin on, on the show, right? And it's like, oh man, how am I ever going to reach Seth? Well, actually, I do feel like I know someone who knows Marissa who could introduce me to her. And then once, you know, maybe if I am a good guest on her show or whatever, we, we have a resonant conversation, maybe then I can ask her for an intro to Seth. Mm -hmm. So you can, you can kind of play the, you know, build up your network along the way. Oftentimes, exciting opportunities that aren't even the person you were going after or, or publication will, will rear their head. I, uh, when Lost and Founder launched, I was trying to pitch the New York Times like, a bunch through through the PR folks um, at at Penguin Random House, whatever for whatever reason never worked out. But the networking uh, actually got it in front of a whole bunch of other publications, including this this big spot on CNN for one of their like things around founder mental health. And um, I made a friend in Lori Siegel there, and she did like a whole you know section of an episode on on me and on the book. It was awesome. Congratulations on that. You. You uh, practiced what you preached, and it even led to even better connections. Alda, thank you for that great question. I think that was uh, a kind of a good question because everyone's going, well, what if I don't know? You know, yeah. um, And that's and true to, for a lot of folks who are, you know, especially getting into a new space. Yeah. And too, if you think about it, let's go back real quick to the podcast example. If let's say you want to connect with somebody on the podcast, there is nothing wrong with for instance, connecting with that podcast host, right? Maybe through LinkedIn and sending them something so basic as a compliment. Marissa, I really enjoyed last week's show. I think your series sure. is really great. Um, because even though Marissa or whoever it might be may not necessarily respond back, maybe they are somebody who gets a thousand messages a day, they still may see it. We all know through messaging, for instance, Alda, you've got a white background on your picture. Your face is really clear. You know, they may totally recognize yeah. your pop-up again when you reach out again to say, hey, you know, I'd be interested in connecting. I've been watching your show. I've been interested in connecting with this person for an interview, for my magazine, blah, 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 blah. But uh, it's all about dropping the little baby, you know, yeah. little a baby. brand recognition, mm -hmm. right? And and brand affinity building are real yeah. in both the human one-to-one -one world and in the brand building space. And, you know, a great marketer should invest in both. Absolutely. Well, listen, Rand, we're running out of time. I do want to share our Engage News of the Week in just a moment with our audience. But are there any final tips or uh, pieces of, you know, experience you want to um, share with our audience before we move on? Sure. I do. I, I do have one quick tactical tip for you, which is sure. all, all, I, my suspicion is almost all of you have some form of analytics, probably Google Analytics, right, to look at what sends mm -hmm. traffic to your website. Mm -hmm. Hot tip. Go take one source that sent you high quality traffic, a, a website, a whatever, a blog, some some individual person on a social network, whatever it is, and go plug them into a tool like SimilarWeb or SparkToro and look at other related sources, 
right? So, you know, similar web will tell you like, oh, people who visit this website also visit these websites. SparkTor will tell you, oh, well, people who follow this person also follow these people. Those are probably going to be superb sources for influence marketing. Great tip. So we're going to, yeah, so we're going to look at something on our Google. We're going to find where we've had some positive successes, where that's come from. We're going to plug that in to a software opportunity like SparkToro or something else out there. And then that's going to help us understand basically similar opportunities that are out there that we've never even heard of. Didn't even think of. Exactly, right? If if Taste Magazine reaches an audience who's interested in rice cookers and sent a bunch of great traffic to my, you know, Japanese Domabe Shopify store, well, probably people who also visit, I don't know, eater.com or seriouseats.com or, mm-hmm. you know, what, whatever it is, those Guy are going to be great. website because they're fans of diners, drive-ins and dives or something, sure, you sure. know? I, I have heard that despite the way Guy Fieri looks, he is an absolute mensch, just like-, like a meanie person? Not nice? No, mensch, mensch. Sorry. Oh, this like super word. smart. Uh, no, 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 that he's like a super kind, loving, caring, oh, oh. deeply empathetic, um, yeah, a, a, a wonderful person. Sorry, I'm, I'm using my yes. Okay. What, what I mean to That's say okay. is- That's okay. I'm like, wow, I'm really getting schooled in vocabulary. I'm like, because I hear mensch and I guess I think wench. I think like a not nice <laughs> no, person. But then no. I think mensch. I think mensis is like- Such a mensch right? he is. Such yeah. a mensch. Uh, even though he looks kind of rough around the edges, like all he hardcore, does. he's really just a big teddy bear. He is- yeah, he's apparently the kind of guy who, when he goes to one of these diners or drive-ins or whatever, like he stays in touch with the people and he helps them like for life. And Aww. you know, he gives to all these causes and he's just this amazingly wonderful human being. But in any well, case, yes, yeah. if you know, Serious Eats sent you great traffic and Guy Fieri is a related source, he would probably send you great traffic as well. And probably he's a tough person to get in front of, but you can scroll down those lists and find those niche websites where you're like, oh, I haven't heard of that one. They don't get that much traffic. I bet I could pitch them. Yeah. Great tip. Great way to end our show. Um, I do want to share a few more comments that are popping in here as we wrap things up. Alda says, yes, it is also all about building that trust first. Thank you, Marissa and Rand. This was super informative. And then Jorge, might be George, but I'm going to go with Jorge, says, find where the audience index is high and go after them. Yes, Rand. Thank you guys all so much. Don't go anywhere though. I do want to quickly share our Engage News of the Week and we'll have Rand kind of uh, chime in and share any thoughts he might have on our Engage News of the Week. And then for all of you watching, and it's creeping up now on LinkedIn, so I want to thank you all so much. For all of you watching, I will uh, share how you can connect with Rand after our show is done. Okay. News of the week. This week, it's about TikTok. So it is about one of the social media platforms. So let's all listen in. I'll share the news of the week. And then Rand, maybe you can uh, share your two cents. So just recently, TikTok shared a new report on how retail brands can convert their efforts on their platform. And in their report, uh, TikTok says, by listening to the TikTok community, TikTok, we meet users where they want to be met. And it's actually not a funnel. It's not in a funnel. Rather, TikTok says it's in an infinite loop with no start and no endpoint, and it empowers brands to establish more meaningful relationships with consumers that result in communities of brand loyalists, repeat purchases, and greater spending. Um, and I took from that article a screenshot, so we'll peek at it real quick. Um, so this is what TikTok is saying in their, you know, studies. They've actually found that it's not really a funnel. It's more of this loop. And that is because, and if I'm not mistaken, Rand, I think you'll agree, a lot of times people are purchasing something because it's part of who they are. It's part of their culture. It's part of their identity. So it kind of makes sense to me that once they make the purchase, it's it's not over. They want to converse with people about what they bought. They want, you know, people to share their experiences about that product or whatever, that service. Um, I'll pop up the uh, link for those of you watching. You can screenshot it and, and visit that TikTok, uh, TikTok.com forward slash businesses um, article. But what are your thoughts on this idea that maybe it's less of a funnel and it doesn't really kind of end here, but more of this loop where people want to continue to be associated with brands and 
you know, are being influenced, right? Yeah. So I, um, I think I, fir I first saw this, this loop concept presented by the HubSpot folks, maybe seven or eight years ago, possibly even more than that, when they, when they were sort of like, Hey, it's not a, it's not a funnel in terms of, you know, people go from, I was aware of the brand. Then I learned more about it. Then I researched the product. Then I bought the product. Yeah. Now I am out of the funnel. Right. And I agree. It's not that linear. Um, so I, I think this, this TikTok uh, study is correct, right? And, and I appreciate them sharing the analytics and data behind that. TikTok is a really interesting one. I have a, um, a fun story there. So about six months ago, six months ago, someone, um, a young woman who's kind of, uh, I wouldn't say she's TikTok famous, but she has lots of followers and she talks a lot about small business marketing, entrepreneurship, you know, that kind of stuff on TikTok. And she did a video about SparkToro. It was oh, wow. short, maybe, you know, uh, 45 seconds long, 40 seconds long, something like that. Um, a little longer than the than the quick, quick videos on TikTok. But this video went crazy. Like it reached way more people than just her followers. I think it was, you know, in the 1.2 million views by the time I looked at it, which was maybe you know, 16 hours after it had gone live. And Marissa, this is um, weird to say, but we basically had to um, stop taking new free trials of SparkToro. So we, it's not free trial. You come to SparkToro's website and you can run some free searches just to like try it out. And, and then you sign up with an email address. Almost everyone who was signing up in those 16 hours was coming to SparkToro and entering fake email addresses like, I, I don't understand this, but most of them were things around like F you SparkToro or you'll never get my email at gmail.com uh, or, okay, I mean, fine, right? Okay. And then, um, it's extreme, but okay. Pretty, pretty extreme. And then they were yeah. running searches that uh, suggested they probably did not understand what the product was for or how it worked. Mm. You know, so we're, Casey and I, my co-founder and I are looking at the logs and we're like, oh boy, this is a lot of bad traffic. Like we, TikTok is not our audience. I don't, ah. despite the fact that, that this young woman on TikTok had done what I think is a pretty quality video and a good endorsement of it. It yeah. was very clear that her audience was not a match for what we were doing. Um, and so we, we basically kind of, you know, shut things down for a little bit, made, made it mm -hmm. a little more challenging to, to get through the process. Um, yeah. in order to close that, close that off. So fascinatingly enough, going viral on TikTok, it might be awesome for you. It also might suck. Which is funny because I don't think many people have thought about the converse. Everyone thinks if I go viral, my business is going to boom, all eyes on me, my follower is going to go up. No one ever thinks, well, whatever, you know, you go and viral this, and it can have that. Yeah, I think it really speaks to, I think it really speaks to your goal is not to reach the most people you can. You know, it's back to our influencer thing. I don't want to reach a million people. I want to reach 10 of the right people. The, right the people, people who are going to resonate with what I'm doing. I'm not trying to build, you know, whatever it is, Facebook or uh, Slack or, you know, Airbnb. I'm trying to build a relatively small, successful software as a service business for, you know, marketers and market researchers and people who care about audience research. <laughs> and apparently that does not include these particular million people on TikTok. Absolutely. Quality over quantity. You want one highly qualified person who's interested in your product and your brand and resonates or your message resonates with them than a hundred people who could care less. It makes sense. It's just like dating, Rand. It's just like dating. Although I don't know what that's like I, anymore. I have been married age. to Geraldine for uh, 13 years and 14 years coming up and uh, with her since I was 21 years old. So I have wow. no idea about dating. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. Uh, can well, I, can you, I give you know what? It sounds like you found a keeper and uh, a beautifully I talented woman at that. So oh my God. if it's not he's, broken, he's don't fix it. And the I have heard... Clear. Yes. I, I have heard from friends that um, if, if you are a woman seeking uh, dating opportunities, that there the, the pickings are slim for great guys out there. So, you know, gentlemen, if you're paying attention, maybe, you know, we need to, I think we need to upgrade our game oh. here. 
I, you know, I, I, I'm engaged as of this past January and I feel very lucky to have found. Oh, mazel a great guy. So, yeah. That is wonderful to hear. Joining the yeah, married crew. Very excited this July. So that being said, there'll be a small hiatus in our show in July Good. and then in September, if I can do the honeymoon, praying the world doesn't fall apart. But, uh, oh, Rand, you were wonderful. Thank you so much. Listen, yeah. you were a wonderful guest. I'm so excited to have had you here. We had a great turnout, not only on LinkedIn, but also on Facebook. Oh, Lexi says, congrats. Thank you so much, Lexi. You're so sweet. Uh, please connect with me, Lexi. And let's share how you all can connect with Rand after today's show. Find Rand on LinkedIn. He's open to connections, but let's, let's do it the right way. Don't just connect. Shoot him a message. Let him know you saw him on the Engage Digital Marketing series on the podcast, or you can say the live stream show and the spelling of his name. If you're listening on the podcast, it's R-A-N-D and then fish like fishing, kin, K-I-N. So F-I-S-H-K-I-N. Drop him a note, set, let him know you saw his interview with Marissa for Engage. And then quickly as we end, let's talk about SparkToro. So this is a software uh, based company that offers this audience research innovative opportunity really is what it is. And again, it's not an agency, so you don't work directly with clients, but you provide this software. Do you provide your software to agencies specifically, or is this software that individuals can also use? Yeah, yeah. Anyone can sign up uh, for it unless you came from TikTok that day. Um, <laughs> You're banned. <laughs> yes. uh, no, and anyone can sign up for it. And yeah, it's it's designed to be very simple. Um, we get a few hundred people who, who try it out every day. Um, and you, you know, our hope is that you basically come check it out. If the free version does everything that you need, that's awesome. We love that. I, I'm, I'm thrilled to provide uh, just the free version. And obviously, if you you know are doing lots more with it and you need more data from it, you can you can pay and upgrade and get more. Uh, but yeah, anyone can give it a spin for free. and there's some there's a, some quick videos, as you mentioned, that'll kind of walk you through how to do that. If you're listening on the podcast, it's s p a r k t o r o all one word sparktoro dot com. Please connect with our guest. Let him know you enjoyed his uh, his appearance on our show. Please check out sparktoro.com for more on audience research and, and the innovative tools that they can provide to you. He has a free version. And as he said, he'd be thrilled if that could help your needs. And then he has other options as well for upgrading and getting more deep into it. I want to thank you so much, Rand. You were a wonderful guest. I can see why you were such a highly coveted speaker. And I love, by the way, just a quick little tidbit about Rand. When he does some of his speaking engagements, instead of taking an actual kind of personal pay, he actually asks for people to do donations um, on his behalf. And, and I just, I saw that on your website and I just wanted to give that a quick mention. So if you're interested in having Rand come and speak to your clients, your company, your organization, uh, he's got a, a, a bit of a, a solid heart behind his speaking engagements. And that's all the more reason to have him on board. So. Oh, thank you, Marissa. Yeah, absolutely. We love donating to uh, the organizations give directly and they, um, yeah, they pro provide basically direct financial aid assistance to folks in need all over the world, including now here in the U.S. Um, and those aid programs have been shown to be just transformative. Um, so highly recommend them. Love it. Rand, thank you so much. I appreciate you joining us and I wish you the best of luck this year with all you're doing with Spark Toro. And I want to thank you again from everybody here at Engage. Oh, Marissa, thank you so much for having me. Congratulations on your engagement. I, I hope you have an incredible summer and a honeymoon and a wonderful wedding. Um, and if I can ever be helpful to you or folks in your network, please just drop me a line. Thank you so much. We look forward to staying in touch. Absolutely. Have a great Take day. Bye-bye. What an excellent guest. Oh my gosh. I feel like we could have talked for days. I know many of you are joining in the second half of the show. So I just want to thank you all. Lexi said, Rand is awesome. Uh, so Rand, you've got a, a huge fan. I'm sure she'll connect with you on LinkedIn. I, I want to remind you, if you're just joining us and you missed the beginning of the show, rest assured, we've got you covered. Go to our live show library. Rand's show will be added to our live show library and also our podcast library starting probably just in a day or so, 24 to 48 hours. So you can go to engage.com forward slash live dash show dash library or engage.com forward slash podcast dash library. And you can find either the video or podcast version of Rand's show. It's also available on YouTube as well. Just search 
N-G-A-G-E, N-G-A-G-G-E. Okay, everybody, that is all for today's show. Again, I want to thank you so much for joining us. I want to remind you, if you missed the show, you can find the replay. Be sure to connect with us. Myself, of course, on LinkedIn. My LinkedIn is the Marissa Morgan, and Marissa has two S's, M-A-R-I-S-S-A-M-O-R-G-A-N. And if you're interested in joining us as a guest on the show or you have questions or want to connect with one of our guests, you can email me at marissa, M-A-R-I-S-S-A dot M at N-Gage dot Com. And last but not least, I want to, of course, invite you to join us on LinkedIn. If you're watching on LinkedIn, give Engage a quick follow to stay in the loop on our new SMS messaging for Shopify app that's launching next week and also to find out more about future shows and future guests. You can find us N-G-A-G-G-E. Look for the circular rainbow colored cog wheel and you can connect with us there. On behalf of myself and the entire team at Engage, I want to thank you for joining. want to invite you to join us this, or excuse me, next Tuesday for our next show. Our guest will be a repeat guest, Whale Amrani. He is a Shopify marketing expert, and he will be joining us to talk about increasing Shopify store sales while reducing Facebook and Instagram ad spend. So increase your sales with less ad spend. That's what we're talking about next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern with Whale Amrani. Give us a follow to find out more about future guests and future shows. And I want to invite you to continue rocking in your e-commerce brands and your Shopify stores. And thank you so much for joining us for today's show. On behalf of myself and the entire team at Engage, I hope you have a great day.